When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. In this world, there are more stories than letters in the Khmer alphabet. Some have ligatures, some are vowels, some use diacritics. But they're all worth the printing. So open your English to Khmer dictionaries wide and listen. Welcome to Brushtown Stories, Episode 21, Find and Infamous. I was somewhere around Moldova when the bats began to form into one giant mass. Dr. Sonar, the notorious Bazamian scientist, was up to it again. Okay, Doc, let's put the bats back in the box, I suggested. He ignored me and sent the swirling mass of winged rodents right at me. I cracked my big knuckles and I flexed my big feet. Then I jumped into the air and ran across the bat ball and leaped down right in front of Dr. Sonar. Fancy footwork, Agent Squatch, but I serve unstoppable the true and ingenious leader of... I interrupted his speechifying with a swift big punch. He hit the ground like a sack full of smaller sacks, which is much heavier than you'd think. Once he was out cold, the bats returned to normal and flew off to the Moldovan hills. Which actually was bad, because they were special bats that Dr. Sonar brought from South America, but I'm sure they won't cause too much invasive environmental destruction. I slapped the cuffs on him, but I knew it would do little good in the long run, as Dr. Sonar was officially listed as a diplomat from Bazamia, which was a small rogue nation run by the supervillain Unstoppopopolis, after he left his volcano base on Murder Island. My history with Unstoppopopolis is long and storied. At this point, the Bazamians were just beginning to institute the Hermuth objective, but this story isn't about that. Instead, one of my fellow agents was meeting me at the Toucan Coffee, the best place to get a latte in the Moldovan capital. As I sipped my bean brew, the agent laid out the details. The separatist group had set up camp in northern Ethiopia on the bank of Lake Tana. They were attacking some telecom companies that were trying to set up towers and relays in the area. It was believed they were part of the Derg, the former Communist Party of Ethiopia. In any event, they needed taking care of, and I was just the squatch to do it. First, I flew to Addis Ababa and met with some local law enforcement. They took me out for a local meal and shoulder dancing, which was quite fun. I got a little tipsy on honey wine and might have taken a few of them back to my room for some further debriefing. But I don't want to lope and tell, though I definitely had on my sunglasses and was sipping some hair of the dog when my plane took off the next morning. After I landed, I was met by Special Officer Estifo Abera. He was a lanky man with a big smile. Welcome to the source of the Blue Nile, 
he shouted. Then he slapped my back and took my bag. I took it back. I appreciate the gesture, but I carry my own, I said. The air was warm, and the lush greenery surprised me. I always thought of Ethiopia as a place of deserts, or at least famine. It's nice here, I said. Sure, Estiva replied, as if it were the most obvious thing. But we got two of the deadliest killers in Africa, the mosquito and hippo. So watch out. He smiled. He told me also that Bahadar, the capital of the Amhara region, sat on the south end of Lake Tana, and the lake was dotted with islands that held ancient Christian monasteries. He proudly told me that Ethiopia was one of the oldest Christian countries in the world. He then showed me some photos from the sacred sites. I told him I wasn't here to be a tourist. He nodded, but seemed a bit annoyed. History is nice, but I'm worried about the future. We secured a boat, and in the morning would head out to the cluster of islands where it was believed the new Derg were hiding out. That night, I sat under my mosquito net, cracked open a St. George beer, and went over some maps of the area. It wouldn't be easy to get the drop on them, even in a fast boat, which ours was not. We'd be sitting ducks, but maybe there was a way I could play that to our advantage. We sped out of the harbor as dawn broke across the lake. The muddy blue waters were calm. Estifo steered and told me not to worry. No crocodiles, he said with a smile. Though, at this point, I realized just about everything he said came with a smile. He'd probably smile through a rainstorm where the rain was fists in the ground his face. He then added the hippos mostly hung around down where the lake feeds into the Blue Nile. We were headed north, so no worry about running afoul of them. A few fishing eagles dragged their talons across the top of the water. It would be almost charming if I weren't headed toward trouble. I let my mind drift. But that was my mistake, because suddenly we seemed to be headed in the wrong direction. I turned to ask Estifo what was going on, but it was then I realized he was aiming a pistol right at me. Damn, this is not how I wanted the day to go. We headed to a remote island, and I was taken off the boat and brought towards the crumbling church. There were about ten or so new Derg members with guns. As they opened the old wooden church door, I could hear splashing inside. It was dark, but my squatch eyes adjusted to the light. I saw an inflatable kiddie pool set to one side. A woman with a mess of black curls flopped around inside. What is this? I asked. Some kind of weird sub-Saharan pool party? Hardly, the woman in the pool said with an odd sort of lispy voice. A few of the guards lit lanterns, and I could see clearly. This was no woman. This was a mermaid. Her black eyes sparkled in the darkness, and her ink-colored scales shimmered. She tented her fingers as she looked at me. So you are the cryptid that joined the CIA. How fascinating. Of course they'd send an ape to catch a fish. Isn't that always how it is? Classic apey fishy. Sure, sister. But what's your play? She told me the story of how the early Christians came to the islands and set up monasteries. She even claimed they brought the Ark of the Covenant from Israel and stored it in one of the churches. While there, they met with the merfolk of the lake, a small but insular society of fish people who were created when the early humans bred with alien hyperboreans from the Vega system. I told her that this was hyperboring me. She didn't find it funny and had one of the men hit me with the butt of his rifle. I didn't find that funny, so I tore his leg off. Then it all got to punching. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. 
The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now, Fall of the House of Sunshine is offering episode commentary to Fable and Folly Plus supporters, still entirely ad-free. Fable and Folly Plus. Sign up today at fableandfolly.com slash plus. They managed after a time to subdue me, and she continued her story. Once the merfolk accepted Ethiopian Christianity, they became very devout worshippers. Eventually, though, during the reign of Haile Selassie, the merfolk were hunted to near extinction because apparently the king's pet lions lacked the taste of them. She was the last, and she was working to reinstate the new derg and create a pure Ethiopia. She flicked her tail. Ethiopia does not she told me. Bow down. We resist to the yoke of conquest. We are a land free of European conquest, of Asian meddling. We are unconquerable by sword, commerce, or government. Tell that to the Italians, I replied. That doesn't count, she screamed and thrashed around in her pool. We are the land where man began. There is no purer people than the Ethiopians. Mankind rose from here. The merfolk were born here. This is the cradle of the universe. All that is wrong with the world happened because we left this cradle. I am saving my Amharic brothers and sisters from the impurities of the world, which has infected everyone else. If you're so great, why does UNICEF collect pennies for your starving kids? The famine was caused by gross manipulation, by the cruel outside world corrupting our land, stealing our resources, crushing us under their boots. But look, look at this gleaming land. This is Eden, and I am its queen. So, I posited, you're nuts. No, I'm the very opposite of nuts. Berries? Not liking our witty banter, she slithered toward me with surprising speed. We grappled. Her lithe body was wet and hard to get a hold of. Her teeth were sharp and bit into my neck as we crashed against the wall of the church. The other new Derg members were unsure what to do. They couldn't fire their guns without possibly hitting their fishy commander. She coiled her tail around my legs, but I was able to give her a good smash against the wall. We tussled some more and soon I was able to untangle her from my toned and shapely legs and throw her through the doors. As soon as she was out of the church, the other members piled on me. It was time for me to kick it up a squatch. So I did some fancy Bigfoot work and took the goons on a quick trip to Poundtown. Having dispatched them, I headed out to find the Splash Queen herself. She was gone, but there were some fin tracks in the dirt. I followed them down to the docks and saw her swimming away. I hopped in the motorboat and took off after her. I cut the engine and scanned the water's surface. Where are you? I whispered under my breath. I tensed up. Everything was still. Then, suddenly she burst from the water like a torpedo and slammed into me, almost knocking me into the drink. I knew if she could get me into the water, I'd be drowned. We thrashed and clawed at each other. She managed to tail-whack me into the motor, knocking it back on. The boat lurched forward, and for a moment, we were both thrown to the ground. I managed to get to my feet first and went at her. 
I took the knife from my scratch belt and slammed it through a tail fin, pinning her to the boat. She let out a scream as I moved toward the motor to stop our boat, which was currently blasting through the lake at full tilt. Before I could grab the kill switch, she grabbed me with her cold, clammy hands and pulled me backward, her sharp teeth snapping at the air. We traded blows and insults as the boat kept speeding forward. A few times I'd managed to get to the engine and barely get my mitts around the steering pole when she'd come at me again. At one point, the mermaid got a hold on me from behind and wrapped me up in her long, slimy arms. They pressed against me like two black eels. Your breath smells like fish farts! I yelled and broke her hold. We grappled, neither one able to get the upper hand, when suddenly the boat crashed. We lurched forward, and I crashed big head first into the aft. She let out a gurgling laugh and pulled the knife from her tail. You'll never stop me, she said as she slithered over the side and into the water. What she didn't realize was that my clumsy attempts to get to the engine and turn off the motor were not so clumsy. I had been subtly guiding the boat this whole time, to the very spot I wanted, where Lake Tana met the Blue Nile. I looked at the water. And suddenly I saw her pop up. She let out a shriek as a giant hippo grabbed her. Hippos are very territorial and will kill anything that gets too close. And she happened to slither right near a mother and its calf. The hippo grabbed her in its mouth and chomped down. Then it took her into the water. The beast tore her apart. So much for the new derg, I thought. I smiled as parts of her floated past the boat carried by the current. Now, corporations can build here freely. Maybe they'll even be a McDonald's one day soon. I returned stateside to some well-deserved R&R. Another big case, big solved by Agent Squatch. Brushtown Stories is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan Goldberg with music by David Irriglieri. Sasquatch is Jenny Putney. Find out more about the show and cast at podmusical.com. Find out what happens to all of your favorite characters on Season 2 of The Fall of the House of Sunshine, coming March 2018. Find out what happens to two androids you haven't met yet, but shh, it's a secret, on Season 2 of The Fall of the House of Sunshine, coming March 2018. Thanks for listening, and have a suntabulous bicuspid of a day! The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.